Welcome to Living the Word Today, brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is to not only understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. Well, thank you for joining me today, and I'm excited to share with you from the Word of God. My name is Jesse Wagoner. I serve as the senior pastor of Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. And some of you are listening to this via the radio. Let me thank you for joining us. We appreciate our radio audience here in the local area. And we have uh, multiple outlets, and we just appreciate that. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can let us know that you're uh, listening. We always appreciate that very much. We're not asking for a gift from you, as some ministries do, and they certainly are able to do that and welcome to do that. But uh, this is all underwritten by the church and all the expenses and all of that. So we just wanted to give this a gift to you, but we would like to know that if this is being an encouragement to you, that would be a really good thing. Also, I want to just uh, thank you as well for sharing that this is on, on the air with others so that others can listen in as well. Maybe you're watching me right now as I share this because we also have a video version that uh, shows up in our social media. That would be YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. And uh, also it shows up on multiple websites as well. So if you're seeing the video version, thank you for that. Appreciate you joining in. And some of you are listening to this on a podcast because we learned a long time ago that uh, more than just like our radio audience is sort of local to Charleston, Canal Valley, Central West Virginia, uh, via the internet, whether it be social media or podcasting, we have listeners and viewers all over the world, and we thank you for that. And uh, that, uh, that all fits under the umbrella of Living the Word Today. Some of you are seeing us under that banner, which is our podcast, sort of outside of the region, the local region of uh, Charleston, West Virginia, which is under the umbrella of CalvaryWB.com. Hope that's not too confusing to you. But uh, you see both of those uh, marks sometimes along the way, so we want to let you know about that. But the most important thing is we spend time studying God's Word. And I've been uh, a student of the Scriptures uh, for my whole Christian life, and I've been a, a called to ministry and also been involved in, in uh, education and study over many years. And I love sharing what I have learned and what God's doing in my heart, and I'm still a learner. I still have much to learn, and I love that we can be learning together as we open the Bible. Today we're going to be in John chapter 4. You can get prepositioned if you want to because we're going to be John 4, looking at the second, to- second time we're looking at the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Once you go poking around there, so we would encourage you to take a look and uh, get caught up. But today we're going to be in the second part of that, and I appreciate that very much. So. Thank you. We appreciate it. We don't look for a gift from you, but we would like your feedback. And you can send us an email. Let us know that you're out there watching. Or if you're watching via social media, it's real easy. Just write down below or up top somewhere. There's going to be a place you can click for a comment. If you're on YouTube, you can click subscribe. You can select the the notification bell. Give a like. Facebook, you can give a like. You can give a share. Uh, You can write a comment as well. We'd really appreciate that. If you're on Twitter, you can also make a comment or just uh, somehow let us know that this is getting through to you. So thank you so much. Uh, that's enough preliminaries. We don't do that too often. Sometimes we just, uh, usually we just jump right into the study of the Word. But since I had a little extra time today, I thought I'd just share with you some of those, uh, some of those thoughts about how we're getting this out and how you can be a part by sharing and liking and, and being a part of the conversation. So thank you very much. Well, today we want to take you to John chapter 4 once again. We looked at it last week in this greater series of unknown servants of God. And we looked at Jesus overcoming the obstacles to get to this woman of a different culture, different gender, different 
uh, ethnicity, different lifestyle, all those sorts of things. And he breaks through those barriers to bring her what she needed, which is what everyone needs, which is the truth of the gospel, which is what Jesus offers in himself, to bring people to belief in him. Now, today we want to continue that, and maybe we should title this not only The Woman at the Well, but maybe we talk about fishing well, and that is not fishing in a well, it is fishing well. Uh, so uh, today we want to think about that. Now, when I was a, a youngster uh, growing up in a small town with more of a rural setting here in West Virginia, uh, fishing was a part of our lives. Now, in, in latter days, I've got to confess, I'm not much of a fisherman. I don't really have the, the patience for it or uh, I don't enjoy it like some of you do. Don't judge me for that. But anyway, my younger days we went fishing and we had very simple uh, poles and, and uh, my brothers and I and my dad would take us fishing. I had an uncle. My uncle Albert would often take us fishing. He, he loved fishing, loved taking us along. Somehow he put up with us, probably scaring more fish away than actually uh, catching. But we could make a trip to, uh, to Tucker's Creek, which was near home, or the Little Canal River, which we lived nearby, or a a farm pond, anywhere it was, we could go fishing. But usually it went like this. Before we got to go on the fishing trip, we had to go into our backyard or a garden or somewhere and start digging in the dirt, and we had to catch some worms. And if you get a big night crawler out of the dirt, that was even better. Typically, we'd have an old coffee can with one of those plastic lids you could put on the metal can, fill it with some dirt, drop all the worms we had in there, and that would take that fishing, and that was our bait. I got to tell you, I never really enjoyed that. I wasn't really squeamish, but, you know, digging in the dirt and grabbing worms and taking a, carrying a can of worms around, it was, just, it was necessary, but it wasn't enjoyable. Now, here's the reality. When we go fishing, we take things that fish like, not things that we necessarily like. That helps us overcome that obstacle. Fishing well means we have to put some bait on the hook that others may be attracted to. With that in mind, we're going to see that in play as Jesus talks to this woman at the well. He, in essence, does some high-quality fishing because by the end of this, she is brought to himself, and then later we'll look at this, Lord willing, next week, where she goes and tells others to come and see Jesus, and she does. And this whole, this whole community is, is, is impacted by the reality of the person of Jesus Christ through this one woman's response. So let's look at this. Now, I want to take you into the text, and we're, we, look, we read this in entirety last week, so I'm not going to read every verse in, in order, but I want to take you through. But uh, he, he's, he has this discussion. Remember, he asked her to give him a drink from the well. They meet at this well there in Samaria. Uh, Jacob's well, as it's known, it's still in existence today, still producing fresh water today. And uh, as she drinks, as, as he's wanting a drink, it, caused, it has this conversation. He's a Jew. Why would you ask me, a Samaritan? Jews don't have anything to do with us. Why would you ask me a drink? We'll come back to that in just a moment. But I want you to look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, obviously. You have to come tomorrow or the next day to draw more water. It's, 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 you're going to always have a thirst. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, verse 14, will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And there he got to the point. The point is everlasting life. He's going to show her as he goes through this that he is the source of that everlasting life. It comes through belief and faith in him and him alone. But notice the word thirst there. He gets to what she needs. Can we say it this way? What she is desiring. Just like a fish might desire a worm and it will snap at one in the water only to find a hook. Now, there's no hook in this. We might use the, the, the metaphor of fishing, of bait and that sort of thing. But, you know, there's something inherently deceptive about fishing. You know, here's a worm, but there's a hook in it. Well, in this case, uh, there's something that applies to her thirst, but there's something blessing for her. It'll be a spring 
of everlasting life flowing into you. It's going to meet your greatest desires, your, your, your most basic need, which is the need for forgiveness, a relationship with God, and eternal life. So with that in mind, let's think about how Jesus, in essence, baits the hook, how he enters into this communication, how he focuses on her need. And we're going to learn some lessons about how we can share our faith as we go through this. First of all, I want to go back to the very beginning of this conversation in verse 7 where he says this, A woman with Samaria came to drink water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Principle number one, step number one, however you want to look at it, is this. Express our statements to others safely so that they feel safe. Now, sometimes we think of evangelism, we think of sharing our faith as confrontational. But if you look at the, the only piece of people Jesus really directly confronted were those who were self-righteous, that thought they were better than other people, that thought that they had already arrived. They were already right by God with their own efforts. The people that came to him needy and humble, he was very gentle. It wasn't confrontational. And think about this, because sometimes I think we have this mental idea that if we're going to share our faith with someone who doesn't know Christ, we've got to be out there and just, you know, hit them, hit them hard, hit them hard with, with some confrontational statement. But more importantly, as you see in this text anyway, at least this approach is he's just helping her to consider, not confrontation, but to continue the consideration along the way. And the way he does that, he makes her feel safe. Give me a drink of water. That's normal. That's uh, unexpected because of the cultural background, but it's, it's, it makes her feel safe. You don't need to be afraid of me. I'm not going to shun you. I'm not going to go away, turn away from you. I'm not going to, but he, he says something, give me a drink of water, which would be very normal for people that would feel safe with each other. So we need, to, we need to, to, to help others feel safe. Now, how do we do that? Understand Jesus is the master fisher of men. He told his disciples that if they would follow him, they would be fishers of men. And even in our day, all these years later, we as followers of Jesus need to be fishers of men. So we need to follow his example. So uh, now notice Jesus really doesn't ask any questions other than this first one, give me a drink, and that's almost a command as much as a request, but a request. But he doesn't ask a lot of confrontational questions. He, he develops consideration. Now, we can ask questions because that's a great way to open it up, but I want to just remind you, want to remind me that, remember, we're after meeting their thirst, their need, what they need, not what I need at the moment. We're also real, realizing that we need to help them feel safe. So, so questions, consideration, not confrontation. We need to have a welcoming demeanor. We should have a smile on our face. We should be warm in our conversation, make eye contact with people, all those things that help. We need to, if it's someone that knows us, not a stranger, but someone who knows us, how's our testimony? How's our demeanor every day? Are we living out the life of Christ? Are we expressing hope and joy and contentment and satisfaction and blessing and forgiveness and tolerance and patience? And I could go on and on and on. Or are we Mr. Grumpy all the time? Are we the one that's complaining? Are we the one that's slacking off on, on work? Are we uh, be the, that person in the neighborhood that everybody tries to avoid? I don't think so. But we also need to be taking a look at the outside, maybe someone in our life, because we all have these blind spots where we don't see ourselves as we really are. But we want to have a good testimony. And then just do something that reaches out to that person and makes them feel safe. Julie and I were recently in a hotel uh, as we were out of town, and and we were in the, the little place where breakfast was served at this hotel, and we were enjoying our breakfast, and we were the only ones in there at the moment. A man comes in, and he's fixing his breakfast, and, and our conversation began as it would in that setting. Where are you from? Where are you heading? You know, that sort of thing. 
and we had that conversation. Then he, he just chimes in. There, there was a television playing on the wall with the news, and he just described a really tragic event in his, his extended family's life and just a terrible thing. And he says, he says, you know, you always think this happens to someone else. You never think it's going to happen to your own family. And he was, he was taking his breakfast out, and we didn't have much time, but I said, I offered this. I said, I, I really want to pray for your family, you and your family, because this tragedy is really, really difficult, and I want to pray for you. And he, he, he smiled and accepted that. In fact, I don't think I've ever remember anyone that I've offered to pray for, even if they're not a believer. Even if, and I don't know about this man. He didn't express anything about being a believer. Uh, I would assume that he, uh, he needs the Lord. Uh, we all need the Lord. He may have already accepted the Lord. But just to be able to say, may I pray for you about that? I would like to pray for you about that. It just, it's gentle. It's safe. It's welcoming. And, and also you understand with baiting a hook, there's this reality. And uh, this, I want to just kind of get this in right now. The fact that when you bait a hook and you're fishing with a worm or whatever it is, uh, that lure goes in the water, uh, if you're fishing somewhere and you're getting no bites, you go somewhere else to fish, right? If you're fishing and you start getting some bites, you want to keep fishing there. Part of this gentle approach of just trying to express safely that, that I'm here to share with you something, make some contact with you, I'm available, is a means of seeing who is going to respond. Uh, if that man would have responded in a, in a way that the conversation could have continued, then you're ready to continue the conversation. Maybe that's the only interaction you're going to have. I'll pray for you or something like that. But sometimes when you bait the hook and you get a nibble, you get a bite, then you know that person, maybe God's at work in their life, the Spirit's at work here, and then you can see that go on. So what do we do to find out where the fish are biting? You keep baiting the hook. You keep, in our conversation, just throwing it out there, putting some spiritual into our conversation, putting some Bible into our conversation, put some Jesus into our conversation, putting some godly love into our conversation or intercourse with other people. And that reality is simply this. It opens up to see if the Spirit's working in their life. If you get a nibble, if you get a bite, then you keep fishing there. If not, you go on and fish somewhere else and pray that that person will develop a thirst for things spiritual and someone will reach them, whether that's you or someone else. Don't give up. Sometimes you have to keep coming back and coming back to that same pool. Secondly, express safety. Number two, create curiosity. Uh, he goes down and, and after this conversation about the living water and so forth, and it, it's interesting that he, he makes this statement, if you knew who it was that gives you this water, if you knew, if you knew who it was, if you knew, this is verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, I think for her it's like, what does that mean? Because she goes on to talk about, uh, the water's deep, you have nothing to dwell with, how are you going to give me water? I'm, I'm going to give you water, how are you going to give me water? But he creates this sense of curiosity, that there's something more here, there's something deeper, there's something that might just probe a little bit deeper into the, into the reality of the situation. And uh, with that in mind, we need to put some curiosity into our conversation. You say, well, how does that work? Well, we understand that if you're just baiting the hook and seeing if you're going to get some bites, whether you want to keep fishing there or not, then the reality is we need to come to this, this thing of saying that there's something more. It's not just my opinion, your opinion. It's not just uh, talking about the current events or the weather. But it's talking about that there's something more. Create some curiosity and see if that person responds. I've, I've seen this happen where I was on, a, I was on an elevator recently with uh, a, an elderly friend of mine who knows the Lord. And we pushed the up button and there was someone else sitting on the thing. And he simply says, you know what? We're going up. I hope my last trip is up. <laughs> just 
some curiosity. What do you mean by that? Uh, the lady that was on the elevator with us, uh, obviously is a believer, says, I'm, I'm going up. That's my last trip too. I'm trusting the Lord. So it connected there. But just that curiosity of what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, how do we do that? Let me just throw a couple ideas at you that maybe you can try. And maybe it's my prayer that you'll give us, that the Lord will give us the opportunity to try those even this week and even in days very, very close. So let's try this one. Maybe you could just say this, you know, I think it is possible for us to know the future. That's the end of the statement. See what happens with that. They might say, oh, you can't know the future. Why would you think you know the future? Well, I happen to believe that the Bible is God's Word. And did you know the Bible does tell us about our future? See how that conversation goes. You baited the hook. You're taking it down the road. I think we can know the future. Or if you want to be a little less, uh, uh, maybe, maybe lower the curiosity level a little bit, maybe just, do you think we can know the future? See what they say and understand that. Because the Bible does tell us about our future. It tells us about what we do with Christ determines the, the, the ultimate outcome of our future, whether with God in heaven or we're facing condemnation. It tells us that God has a future on this earth, that Jesus will return, that heaven is real, and a lot of detail about heaven. Or maybe, maybe try this question. Did you know that the Bible describes that heaven is a real place? Or did you know that the Bible talks about heaven in great detail? Have you ever read the details of what heaven is like according to the Bible? Well, they might say, say, no, and I'm not interested. Fish somewhere else. If they show some response to that curiosity, then you can just start the conversation rolling. And sometimes the real battle, the real obstacle for sharing the truth with someone is just getting the conversation started. And uh, just maybe the Lord help us. Uh, or if you want to try this as a question, do you think there's life after death? A person will share an opinion. It may be way off the mark. It might be, oh, you can't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't talk about those things. Then, then you know that you didn't get a bite in that fishing expedition. But instead, you move down the, down the you know, to fish somewhere else and come back to that person another time if God gives you that opportunity. But maybe they'll answer, you know, that's something I really wonder about. I really, I really, and I just really like to know what's next. There's your opportunity to say, can I share with you what I believe about what's next? And once you ask permission and they give it, then the conversation becomes normal. It becomes natural. It becomes real. And sometimes I think we miss fishing opportunities because we're not baiting the hook with these kind of responses. You know, create curiosity, express safety. And we're going to look at some more in just a moment. But Jesus does these things and the conversation just flows. And obviously the Spirit's at work in her life and God had ordained this appointment for Him to meet her and so forth. But, but the reality is that God wants us just to start conversation. Sometimes I think we just don't know where to start. I'd love to share the gospel, but I don't know where to start. And sometimes that's the obstacle. Well, here's a couple for you. Express safety, number two, create curiosity. Number three, make an observation. Make an observation. Now, He does this in this context where... Um, he says to her, and the woman said, Sir, give me, this is verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. You are right in saying, You have said well. You've answered correctly. You have well said. He shares an observation about what she had said. You did the right thing. Now, she goes on to confess that, that he says, You've had five husbands. The one you have now is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. 
And then she realizes she know, he knows something she doesn't, and he must be a prophet, and that continues this consideration. But make an observation. Oh, that's right. I agree with you in that. Sometimes it's as simple as that, listening in on other people's conversations, and they say something. You know, I agree with that. Sometimes it could be, let's just take it from these two angles as we think about how you can make an observation and turn that into an opportunity to consider the consideration spiritually. And simply this, maybe we just agree with them when it's a negative. You know what? The world is a mess. My, my investments are going downhill. Prices are going up. There's crime, whatever it is. Whatever, and it's always something, okay? There's always something going on in the world that people are talking about. And we see that, and it's something really bad. And sometimes that gives you the opportunity to say, you know what? We are, we are in great need, aren't we? We really need help. What, what do you think is the need? What's, where are we going to find the help to finish, to fix that problem? They might go into politics. I would encourage you, if you're in a spiritual conversation, you're trying to bait the hook spiritually, uh, maybe that's not the time for a political conversation. Uh, I have very strong political views, and I assume you do too. I don't mind sharing them in the right context, but when it comes to the opportunity to share Christ with others, the important thing is not about what I want to talk about. I don't like worms, but about what they need to talk about. Fish do like worms, so let's bait the hook with things that lead them to consider what's their greatest need, their greatest thirst, which really, even if they don't recognize it, is their need for a Savior. So, what if it's something good? Oh, man, I had this great thing. I got a raise. I got a promotion. My kid got this thing, whatever. And just simply say, do you think those great things, I, I, that's great, I'm glad to hear that, but do you think those things are a coincidence or is it part of a plan? Listen carefully to how they answer. If they're wondering if it's part of a plan and they give you permission, then you continue the conversation to help them consider the truth. We all know that God does have a plan. God is involved. Every good gift comes from above. And the greatest gift that we can receive is the gift of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. With that in mind... We come to this reality that we need to bait the hook with that. Now, we also need to listen to opinions, listen to their opinions. Now, as soon as she perceives that he's a prophet, verse 19, verse 20, she says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. He's saying, you're a prophet, but I, you know what? You have an opinion, I have an opinion. And she kind of gets confrontational here. Jesus does not enter the, conver conver the confrontation. He simply says that there's going to come a time, as he says in these next verse, when those who worship true worshipers are going to worship God in spirit and truth, neither in Jerusalem nor in this mountain. It's not the place, it's the person and the heart's connection to that person. That person is God himself. So you understand that he doesn't get sucked into this difference of opinion, but he uses her opinion to point her to something greater. Remember, we're not about, to, we're not about convincing people of our opinions. We're pointing people to the Savior, which is way beyond opinion because it's settled fact, because it's revealed, what's revealed about him is in his word. So she doesn't, he doesn't get into this. So um, he listens to her. And let me just maybe flesh it out in imagination this way. You may listen to someone's opinion. It might be something in your mind that is so off the wall, so strange, you just want to cover your ears and say, oh, I don't want to listen to that. But if you listen patiently, maybe ask a couple questions. How did you come to that conclusion? Why do you think that? Just, you know, just conversation, not confrontation. And then you get this point of, of this. You know what? Uh, that's, that's interesting. I've enjoyed listening to your opinion. Would you mind if I shared mine? 
that little question, would you mind if I shared mine? I mean, they're on the spot. If you've listened to their, whether it's simple or agreed upon opinion or wacky, you just come to this reality of, can I share mine? Just common decency is going to say, well, you've listened to my opinion, I'll listen to yours. And in essence, uh, that gives you that opinion. And well, what is your opinion? Well, the opinion needs to point back to the reality of what the real thirst is. It's not political, it is not social, it is not economic, it is not being happy in life. It's that you and I both need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. It's not about whether you worship here or you worship there. It's not whether you're part of that denomination or that denomination. It doesn't matter about your background or your ethnicity. All those things you overcame to get to her. It's simply about God's looking for people with a genuine heart to worship Him in spirit, with a a connection to Him through salvation. And in truth, we're honest and open with Him. That's what He wants. That's what He wants from us. Let me just take a moment and say this to you. Uh, uh, This is more than opinion, but this is where we need to get to. And if you don't mind, I'm going to share my understanding with you, which is based on Scripture, more than opinion. But you also need a Savior. If you're listening today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, uh, he is the one who can satisfy your inner thirst. He's the one who wants to have a connection to you that you can worship Him in spirit and truth. He's the one that wants you to have everlasting life. All those things are contained in this passage. And it really comes down to this, and I'll just share this with you. And You've been kind enough to listen to me at this point, so thank you for that. But as gently as I, ha- as I know how, I want you to consider this. Consider that you need a Savior and that freely freely salvation is offered to you in Christ. The thing that provides it for us is his death on the cross. He died a perfect man, a God-man, the Savior of the world. When in his death on the cross, he suffered for all the sins of humanity. Sin's price has been paid. A gift has been offered. All that remains is for you to accept that gift through faith. If that is understandable to you, I would encourage you just to right now Put your faith in Him. Just say to Him in prayer, Lord, I accept this gift of salvation I just heard about. I want to have my sins forgiven. I want to have eternal life. I want to learn more about this, and I want to grow in this, but thank you for saving me through my faith in you. And Then you need to get to a church. You need to get involved with other people, be learning, get into the Word of God, and be growing in Him. And if you've made a decision like that, we would love to hear from you. We have some things that we want to get into your hands immediately that will help you start growing in your newfound faith in Christ. So you give us that good news, and we will share it with you. Number five, okay, we've covered, let's just do a little quick review now. Uh, To share your faith, to bait that hook, to go fishing, to fish well, express safety. It's okay for us to have this conversation. Uh, Number two, create curiosity. There's something that if you knew, something out there beyond, something that God wants you to know about that you don't know about yet. Make an observation. Well, you're right in saying, and then follow it up with, you know, what is the solution to the mess? If it's something good, Do you think that was caused by an accident or is there a plan, coincidence or plan to start the conversation going that way? Listen to opinions. They're sharing your opinion or you ask for an opinion. What do you think about that? Listen, 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 listen with kindness and listen with curiosity. But also then ask that follow-up question. Well, that's really, that's an interesting opinion. Do you mind if I share my opinion with you? And make sure you're going to be talking about eternal life in Christ and your faith in Him. To them, that might seem as wacky as what you just expressed, what they just expressed, excuse me. But uh, nonetheless, it's the truth, and God can take his word. And then number five, invite a step. Invite a step. Now, this invite a step comes really in, in this verse 15, which says, Go, call your husband, and come here. 
Now, she reveals about her lifestyle and her background and so forth, and Jesus commends her for that. And she kind of gets off track, but, you know, about this, where do we worship? And uh, verse 24 or 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That's where he calls for the step of faith. It's a step of do something which ultimately will lead to the step of faith. And from her reaction, it's obvious that she believed that he was the one. He was the Savior. She believed in him for salvation. So there's sometimes multiple steps that we need to invite people through. But I just simply say this. To continue the conversation, you need to just invite a step. Sometimes it's like, okay, we're out of time. Hey, would you mind if we continue this conversation later? Or, hey, you know what? I read an interesting article or blog. Can I, can I just text you that link so you could see what, I, what I'm talking about? Or, or uh, you could share our online content. And we also have, in addition to these sermons that you're seeing or listening to now, I also do a short form, about a five-minute devotional throughout the week. It's called Recharge, a recharge video. It's also available at livingthewordtoday.com or all of our social media as well. But uh, that's sometimes something. Just share that link or text that link. It's just a five-minute presentation, three- to five-minute presentation. Hey, here's something that uh, my pastor or here's something that I saw a pastor sharing. I'd just like to share it with you. So it gives you that opportunity. Uh, sometimes it's like, you know, would you, would you, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday if that's available to you? You'd be welcome. See what, see what it's all about. See how this works. So what is the next step? Uh, here's some online material. Here's something to read. Here's an opportunity to share. Invite that next step. Simply conclude with this. Keep baiting the hook and let's fish well. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.